0: Hello, and welcome to Transfusion's monthly podcast. I am your host, Yara Park. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Dr. Surendra Karki and Dr. David Irving, who will be discussing their recent work, visits to general practitioners off after iron-related deferrals from blood donation in middle-aged and older Australian blood donors. Welcome, Dr. Karki and Dr. Irving. Thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Karki, would you please introduce
1: yourself? Thank you. Uh, my name is Surendra Khaki, and I am a research fellow um, at the Australian Red Cross Lifeblood, and I'm also associated with the University of uh, New South Wales as a
2: joint lecturer in epidemiology.
0: Thank you. Dr. Irving, could you please introduce yourself?
2: Uh, thank you, uh, Yara. Yes, my name is David Irving. I'm the Director of Research and Development for the Australian Red Cross Lifeblood. I also have an adjunct. Um, position at uh University of technology sydney uh here in obviously here in sydney um i'm responsible for our entire program of research um, at lifeblood which covers a broad range of activities which we may touch on later
0: perfect thank you so much let's start with just some summar- can you summarize your study for our listeners
1: um sure um yeah, I can start, and if I miss something, David, please feel free to jump in. Um, this study um, is, is a part of a larger project that um, research and development of the lifeblood has um, set up uh, to study the longer-term health of our blood donors and their health services utilization pattern. Um, this project has linked data from Australia's largest uh, population-based cohort study, uh, of 267,000 participants um, in this study called the Sachs Institute 45 and up study. And we have linked this uh, study's data to the life blood donor data sets and several other um, external health-related datasets. Um, in this particular analysis, uh, we wanted to understand what percentage of our donors promptly follow the advice to visit their general practitioners um, uh, and when they are deferred uh, from donation due to either low hemoglobin hemoglobin or low iron. Uh, And we wanted to see if or prompt seeking of medical consultation and the potential treatment thereafter uh, leads to a better return um, rate um, in the future to make a successful donation. Um, as usual, this piece of analysis was conducted to, to gather evidence to improve our, our policy and guidelines to continually um, ensure the health of our donors. Um, in this analysis, in a cohort of middle-aged and older donors um, who were deferred for um, low iron or low hemoglobin, hemoglobin, um, we observed that there was a sharp increase in the rate of the GP uh, visits within a month of the deferral, um, which is expected. But um, this included only a half of the donors who were deferred. And most of the another half um, of the donors did visit the GP, but, but, but much later on. And secondly, those uh, visiting the GP earlier um, were slightly less likely to return to make a successful donation within the next two years um, of the follow-up this is not because um, going early to a gp makes you less likely um, to come to donate again rather it is an effect of the phenomena where less healthier donors chose to visit the gp earlier uh, creating a selection bias in this study and we encountered this selection bias um, and we decided to say um in, in, in the publication so that all the researchers are aware of this phenomenon and, uh, and they can plan early to mitigate um, um, the effect of such, such bias.
0: So did your findings surprise you that the donors who did seek early care were less likely to return?
1: Partly, yes. Um, uh, we sort of uh, were coming from a hypothesis that those people who visit um, their GP all year um, would go uh, on medical investigation and treatment earlier, and they may um, recover to um, eligible level of iron earlier than the other half of the donors. Um, but looking into the data more deeply, um, we, um, found that these um, donors who visited the GP earlier actually had a, a poorer prospect in their health. For example, when we looked their prospective 24 months hospital admission records, those visiting GP early, they actually had a higher rate of hospital admission compared to those visiting GP later on. Also, we looked into their mortality pattern um, for almost eight years follow from the time of the deferral. And we could even see that the mortality, there's an indication that the mortality was higher in those people budgeting GP all year. So it, it surprised us a little at the start, but when we looked at, um, the data more carefully, we found that's the selection bias effect, which is causing that, um, observation.
0: How did you come up with the idea for this study? What led you to look at this specific group of donors?
2: I can probably comment on on that uh, on that one. Uh, so obviously, you know, Australian uh, Red Cross Lifeblood uh, is Australia's national um, blood operator, and we've got um, we've got about you know approximately half a million donors who regularly come to donate uh, uh, throughout the year, uh, and key key. Im- P- Principles that we have is essentially um, ensuring that our donors remain healthy, and uh, also ensuring that as many donors as possible uh, return to donate. So we thought this would be an ideal uh, project, essentially to link the data that we have on um, donor on our donors uh, specifically uh, with the um, uh, health outcomes uh, that we have that we're able to access in the uh, 45 and up uh, study that. Um, that uh, Surendra has just mentioned. Uh, So uh, just uh, this opportunity really is a national operator with uh, opportunities to um, do a large data analysis um, to really try to address this issue. Um, um, Are are our donors essentially taking our advice in terms of uh, going to visit their general practitioners um, when we provide them that information? does that impact their return rate? Uh, so really, that's why we thought, and also the opportunity then to, if that, if we found that our uh, education materials weren't um, um, essentially effective, that would also give us an opportunity then to uh, revise those uh, materials, um, uh, both for the um, information of our donors and also for as a blood operator to ensure that we keep our donors healthy uh, and returning uh, to to donate.
0: What was the most difficult part of the study while you were collecting this data?
1: I can probably answer that question. Um, Well, rather than a difficult part, I would say um, um, it is a more time consuming um, research because uh, uh, this data that um, we linked for this study is held by a different authorities so as a part of the ethics um to get um, linked this data we we have to go through sort of each of these data custodian and each of those custodian need to um, look into the study protocol and finally approve and sign up okay this data can can be linked for your study so uh, it took a bit of a time sort of to liaise through different agencies and get that ethics and um, the data linkage process uh, completed. And um, the actual data linkage actually um, happened through a, another agency called Center for Health Record Linkages, um, does, um, in, who did incredibly nice job for us. But I guess there are so many all the projects as well so um it, it took a while to get this data from them to us to to to, uh, to actually be analyzed so um um yeah um i think there was a bit challenging um in this study but I, I i think we are quite lucky in australia that um although it's a bit challenging to get access to this data but we we do have quite complete data on on uh, things like you know the gp visits to to um the 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 data set called the um the medicare benefit schedule the mbs data which records all of the uh, the visits to the gps um, and some of the tests that happen um through them and also um um, the uh, because of the um, universal uh, um, access to the healthcare, there are other data set w- which um, I think um, record the complete sort of uh, um, the encounter to, to the health services they use. So um, I think, yeah, that they were a bit of a challenge, but I guess at the end of the day, we're lucky to have all these data together. Um, for us um, and we are, we are able to sort of analyze them now.
0: I will definitely say coming from a country that doesn't have centralized healthcare or centralized blood donation, this is a very interesting study to read simply because you have the infrastructure to, to, to look at this, whereas we don't here in the US. So I thought that was fascinating. You were using a database that primarily looked at Australians who are 45 years of age or older. How do you think your findings would generalize to a younger population?
1: Yeah, I can answer the question poorly. As yes. uh, um, yeah, these people who who um, who were included in this study, um, they are middle-aged and older people. So they were forty-five and over when they were recruited into the Sax Institute forty-five and up study uh, from two thousand six to two thousand nine, um, and even in that particular study, um, we have to be mindful that um, the participants themselves are not necessarily a good representation of the general population, because in that study itself, um, um, for example, the, 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 the percentage of Korean smoker um, was much less than the gender population of the same um, age and, and, and sex. Um, and when we compare blood donor population after that study with the non blood donor population, um, we did already see quite a bit of the differences in self-reported health. Um, and, uh, you know, all the factor that sort of suggest toward a much more healthier population in there. So I think we have to be careful or Not overgeneralizing the findings, but I guess certainly from life lords' point of view, we have observed that uh, for the first time um, that how our donors are taking our advice about the medical investigation after the deferral. So I think um, that is more important to us at the moment.
0: Do you think these findings would apply to blood donors outside of Australia? Or is that too difficult to say at this point?
1: I would think um, it's a bit difficult to say. um, um, And also it's difficult to say that the same kind of pattern would exist in younger donors. The average number of the um, GFI visits um, happening in older donors is much higher compared to the younger donors. So um yeah i'm not really sure this would be general generalizable to people when um, a blood donor in other countries
2: i might also comment if i may yara that um we're also while this data is as you mentioned is from people who have been 45 years and older uh, we are now embarking uh, in australia on a broader study of blood donors right across the um the ages of all blood donors uh, in Australia, called the Australian Blood Donor Study, that uh, once again Surendra has been driving this project. But um, we will be using this um, these sorts of questions to sort of extend this study that we that we've just uh, published uh, to the broader uh, cohort across different um, age groups, and also to um, you know maybe perhaps um, more uh, culturally linguistically diverse people across the country as well.
0: Are you still planning to continue recommending GP visits for donors who are deferred for low hemoglobins or low ferritins?
2: The short answer is yes. Um, key, key, um, and um, you know, as a blood operator, we want to ensure that our, um, our all of our donors um, who uh, volunteer to um, donate um, don- donate. Um, Blood and blood products to us um, remain healthy, and um, if we we obviously are uh, measure, we always do measure um, haemoglobin levels. And um, if we do find that um, people have uh, low or they're dropping haemoglobin uh, um, levels and iron levels are bordering on deficiency, uh that we certainly will continue to recommend that they go visit their um, their general practitioners. Um, the um, The way we do that um, um, will is continuously. Re- and I think the outcomes of this research really sort of does um, provide opportunities for us to uh, look at the best way for us to uh, recommend uh, that um, that um, uh, activity to our donors.
1: If I may add something in there as well, um, I think we have to be mindful of that, although we may identify people of you know low hemoglobin when they come to donate, but I guess some of them would be related to from the previous donation but some of them may be purely incidental because of other health issues or causes so i guess it is very important that our donors when have this set sort of findings follow the advice actually to sort of uh, you know uh, undergo a visit to to their gp and if the gp person solely responsible for Take, taking, uh, you know, holistically taking care of their whole. So I think it's quite important that people follow this advice.
0: David alluded to it earlier in our discussion, but what is next for your group? Uh, what else are you going to be looking at?
2: So I, I guess the key one is what what I did allude to earlier, and that's uh, the Australian Blood Donor Study. Um, we're really looking to um, recruit, um, you know, as many donors as we possibly can uh to look at the um uh, health of those donors and uh, potentially to develop a essentially a bio resource for um, further research that can be used uh, and, and more broad, broad more broadly across across the country in terms of uh, health outcomes of, uh, of blood donors um, not not too dissimilar to some studies that have already been underway for quite some time in um in the northern hemisphere um, with regard to um, long-term impacts, we're also looking at um, uh, uh, other outcomes of uh, blood donation. Both uh, this is a study looking at uh, whole blood donors, and this one that we've been just talking about, but looking also at the impact of um, uh, long-term plasma donation as well. For example, on um, bone density, um, other out, other potential um, outcomes associated with um, that may that have been are hypothesized as being having a, um impact of, of being a blood donor, um, but we, we do have quite a broad ranging uh, program of, um, uh, of um, research to look into um, the health of our donors and also how best to retain uh, that healthy donor pool to ensure that we've got a constant supply of, um, of blood and blood products for, for the population. Surendra might comment on some of the more specific projects that uh, that we're looking at in that in that regard.
0: Both of you, it was great talking to you. And that's our show. Thank you to Dr. Karki and Dr. Irving for joining us for a great discussion. This has been Yara Park for Transfusion's Monthly Podcast. See you next time.